1: Yeah. Hey, I just filled mine out and uh, mailed mine in this week.
2: I uh, well, yay! I'm not. I'm doing mine in person. Um, oh, are? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go vote in person. Okay. Um, I'm. I want to see how it is day of. I'm one of those people. I want to see how long the lines are. I suspect that I will sail in and sail out because I don't think anybody's going to be there except me. And I don't even know if the two old ladies. It may just be two new people.
1: I've been seeing seeing advertisements on TV uh, where they are trying to recruit young people um, who are less susceptible to COVID-19 to actually um, uh, volunteer at the polls. Um, Much like the elderly women women you've referenced in a number of podcast episodes, um, they want to make sure that they are properly staffed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well and yeah. for listeners who have to do service learning as part of yeah. um their either their work or their school, you might consider doing that. Yes. Um, I know that for VCU we are not open that day. Uh, yeah. to encourage that very thing, people to either serve at the polls or and to make sure that people vote. Yes. Um, or have the opportunity to vote. It's the first time that VCU has done that. And I hope to see that in the future. I would like to see every employer do that. I think that it would be, and I know there are all kinds of financial and fiscal reasons why some companies would really struggle to let everybody have the day off to vote, but, um, but it, would be, it would be wonderful if we had one of those, oh, it's a holiday and we all get to have a good time and there's hot dogs and fireworks and here's, here's some voting. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, as Mackenzie points out, if there were more donuts and coffee, oh hey, then yeah, yeah. voting yes. would be fabulous. You could just yeah, go it, vote all day.
1: Yeah, it, it, and as we discussed in a previous podcast episode, in other uh, democracies, uh, 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 election day is a holiday. Um, and some scholars have pointed out that's one of the reasons why they typically have a higher turnout uh, than we do here in the United States. Uh, because, uh, again, many people, um, because of the nature of their jobs or the fact that they have multiple jobs, plus families, um, etc., um, if they are prioritizing what they're going to do on the you know, second Tuesday after the blah, 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 uh, voting usually comes at the end of their priority list. I right. mean, it's, it's something that they have to try to fit in. But if it's a holiday, well, you don't have as much of an excuse. <laughs> um,
2: Especially if it's a paid holiday.
1: Oh, wow, hey, that would that would be even better. Yeah. That would
2: be even better. And yeah. and um we're very fortunate that VCU employees are are having a paid holiday. Yes. Um but I don't know that that's true in every state and at every institution. But I want to talk to you about the densely written paragraphs at the bottom of my ballot. <laughs> because they first of all the language is ridiculous like i'm just saying to you now one voter to another read it ahead of time because when you're standing there trying to figure out what the heck it says like you don't want to be standing around first of all in a public area where you may or may not be able to socially distance as much as you would like to like like let's just keep covid in mind but also you have to parse the language sometimes because sometimes they are written in a way that I, that I end up thinking, do I agree with that or do I not agree with that? Like, I don't know. There's so many double negatives in here. It may be telling me that if I check yes box, I'm going to instantly evaporate and I'm scared to do that, right? So like, yeah. but I want to know how they get onto the ballot, like how the yeah. densely written paragraphs get there in the first place.
1: Yeah, and in, in, in listeners, what Nia's talking about is um, on ballots, in addition to voting for candidates for specific government offices, there might be questions um, uh, where voters are asked to weigh in. Okay, it's kind of sort of a form of direct democracy. Um, and what we're gonna be talking about for the next few minutes are things like ballot referendums, initiatives, recall elections, and also questions about uh, bonds, bond referendums, okay? And as Nia points out, they're typically at the bottom of your ballot at the end of the ballot, okay?
2: Yeah, they lull you into a false sense of security with the easy ones first. President, okay, that's people you've heard of. Vice President, that's people you've heard of. And then you get to, if you're in a state where they do governor that year, you're like, no, I've probably heard of most of those people, right? And then you, as you work further down the ballot, you're like, who the heck is this person? If you haven't studied the ballot ahead of time, that sometimes can get a little tricky there in the middle. And then you get to the huge paragraphs.
1: Yeah. Okay. So whatever momentum you may have built up.
2: (laughs) Oh, your will to live is slowly dribbling away as you work your way through the ballot until you get to the end. And I know people who just randomly mark yes on one, no on another Like they don't. Yes. Please don't do that.
1: Yeah. You don't. It's
2: your ballot is not. Oh, you don't have to complete the entire ballot for the ballot to be valid. Isn't that correct?
1: In most states, that is correct. Yes. Yes.
2: So if you want to just blow them off, you could. You could believe, nope, I don't care anything about any of this.
1: But it does kind of sort of beg the question, if you do blow them off, okay, why were they put on there in the first place?
2: Well, yeah, and that's your one chance at straight-up direct democracy.
1: Democracy, right? So what we're talking about here is um, items on the ballot, okay, Um, uh, that allow you to actually participate directly in governance. Um, So ballot referendums, initiatives, recalls of government officials, and we will get to recalls in just a a few moments. I have questions about that. Yeah, I bet some of you are like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean we could go ahead and recall somebody who we... You know, didn't like who got, you know, elected? Whoa, hey, this sounds pretty cool. Well, you know, hold your horses metaphorically. Yeah, there are
2: limits to that.
1: Yes, right.
2: Um, Just as a foreshadowing, you can't recall the president. No. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Yes,
1: right. Okay. Yeah, you can't do that. Okay. Um, But nevertheless, these arose basically at the turn of the 20th century. And these were were hallmarks of um, the progressive era, uh, which basically uh, one of the attributes of the progressives were um, they wanted to break up concentrations of power, okay? And in particular, they believed that corporations and monopolies frequently had undue influence um, in government.
2: Were they right?
1: Um, Yeah, there's quite a bit of evidence to suggest that um, these corporations, uh, because of the amount of money they donated to campaigns um, and how important their economic activity was to states in particular, okay? that uh, perhaps bypassing elected or rep- elected representatives was the best way to get um, less corrupt, okay? Um, and uh, government that was, shall we say, more representative of the majority's will, okay? So,
2: sorry, just to ask a quick question. So by corporations, you're talking like the railroads and, Banks, corporations like that, right? Yeah. Like because yeah. IBM didn't exist and Apple didn't exist that right? Not, not what we think of as the modern big corporations, but sort of the
1: yeah, the robber barons, the, um, right? The
2: early industrial yeah, groups the, and the yeah, early the, financial groups.
1: Yeah, the the you know when the nation's economy switched from agriculture to industrialization, industrialization required huge amounts of money, okay, for it to be effective. And not only did it require people of wealth to invest in them, but once they were developed, they made a whole bunch of money. And they didn't necessarily want to be regulated, okay, by state elected officials.
2: Okay, so they were basically keeping their, they were keeping their means of making money
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was narrow self-interest, okay? okay? I mean, it's the hallmark, if you will, of capitalism, according to <laughs> economists, right? Okay? People are going to engage in behaviors that further their narrow self-interest. Well, how do you make sure that that narrow self-interest is not corrupting the political process? How do you make sure that state legislators, okay? And again, this is primarily at the state level, Okay because that's where progressives thought the most significant corruption of government was taking place. And also, this was before the New Deal, okay? So the idea that the federal government could regulate the economy was kind of sort of unheard of. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, the U.S. Supreme Court made it very clear that if there was gonna be regulation of industry, it was going to be done at what level of government, Nia? Oh, state and local. Okay, state and local. So, well, well which it,
2: makes sense, I suppose, because the state and local um, economies were highly dependent on industry. Yes. But also, things like industry could ruin the the air quality in your city, but it didn't ruin the air quality nationally. Nationally. Okay. So, being able to clean up the smog of Los Angeles would be something that the city of Los Angeles would want the power over to to regulate those industries. Okay, I can see that.
1: Okay, but there was quite a bit of incentive for state elected officials not to regulate those industries, because those industries were providing what for the citizenry?
2: Oh, jobs and money, and they were also providing money to run campaigns for there said incumbents.
1: So, so the thought of the progressives was, can we create tools to bypass state legislatures that were beholden to big money corporations and monopolies. (gasps) Ah. Ah. Yeah, this is where you get, okay, a push for states to allow referendums, initiatives, and recall of state government uh, officials. And there are a difference. There's a difference particularly between referendums and initiatives. And by the way, referendums is plural. It's also sometimes uh, 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 pronounced referenda. Okay. The uh, uh,
2: Latin for plural yeah. referendum. Okay. Okay.
1: The main difference between a referendum and initiative is this. Okay. A referendum, Uh, allows voters to either repeal a specific act of the state legislature or to actually add, if you will, a specific, if you will, section to a state constitution. So it's the voters basically saying, okay, this is how we want policy to be or this is how we want our state constitution to actually, you know, read. Okay? Okay. An initiative, okay, um, is basically, again, you have to get a certain number of signatures, just like with a referendum, okay? Um, And basically, initiatives, okay, um, allow, if you will, (laughs) it's the legislature's willingness to go ahead and say to the public, what do you wanna do, right? So let's just say for instance, uh, the state of California wants to go ahead um, and increase uh, uh, fuel efficiency of vehicles, but they're not entirely sure that um, this will upset the public or be favored by the public or whether or not there are vested interests who might get upset by increasing fuel efficiency of motor vehicles. The state of California's legislature might go ahead and say, okay, um, we're placing an initiative on the ballot and we want the voters to decide.
2: (laughs) So it's a combination of covering your posterior. Yes. And polling.
1: Yes okay
2: right because you get to get the temperature of whether that thing is popular or not before you put your posterior out in the wind to be
1: to be judged that's right okay so whereas the referendum is basically the voters saying to their elected officials we don't like what you did an initiative is more of a hey what would you want quote unquote voters for us to do. Okay? okay. And again, as you pointed out, the benefit of an initiative for state legislatures is they get to go ahead and say, hey, um, we're only doing what a majority of the public wants us to do, right? Whereas a referendum is, if you will, a direct you know, smack in the mouth metaphorically of what the state legislature has done, Okay. okay? Okay, so that's the primary difference between a referendum and an initiative, okay? Um, a recall election. Wait, is where, yeah, go sorry, ahead.
2: do we have these in Virginia?
1: Uh, referendums and initiatives? Yes. Uh, um, unfortunately, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so
2: they're not every state. Not every state has...
1: No, uh, you see these tools, if you will of direct democracy, primarily in uh, Western and Mountain West states. So for instance, California, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, um, some of the upper Midwest states, Wisconsin, for instance, um, has these initiatives or has have these tools, okay? Most of the states, on the East Coast and then the, and in the Deep South, do not. <laughs> do not.
2: They spin in the face of direct democracy. Oh my goodness, <laughs> do
1: they ever, right? Okay. And, and you this,
2: take your direct democracy and go home. Yes. You, you California hippie, tree-hugging yeah.
1: progressive. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Nia, this actually taps into a large body of political science research that divides the quote-unquote, air quotes, okay, American political culture into subcultures, okay? Uh, The work of political scientist Daniel Elazar in the 1950s and 60s, uh, E-L-A-Z-A-R, he went ahead and identified that in the States, they actually have subcultures that are very distinctive to that state. And he came up with three broad types or categories, moralistic, individualistic, and traditionalistic. Now, don't be confused listeners, when he says moralistic, he's not talking about religion. The moralistic uh, political subculture, like that of California, actually thinks that governments by and large, is good, and that people should have an active role in governing. So, moralistic political subcultures generally tend towards these kinds of direct democracy tools. So, for instance, it's not a surprise to go ahead and see referendums, initiatives, recall elections in states like California, Washington, Oregon, because they generally, according to many political scientists, have a moralistic political subculture. Now, the only
2: place, I was thinking about recalls and the first thing, the first one that came to mind, I think, which I know you're gonna talk about was Governor Davis. But there exactly. was also an attempt in Wisconsin, right? Yes. Scott Walker. So, yep. so it's not just the Western states. So you're saying the West and the Midwest or the yeah. upper Midwest. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, All right, so what, who, who's,
1: who's... Individualistic. Who, uh, you're basically talking about um, uh, the North, uh, many Northeast states. Okay. Um, and in the individualistic political subculture, um, government is typically viewed as being corrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. People only get involved in government to further their narrow (laughs) self-interest. Okay. Okay. So, uh, states like my home state of Pennsylvania, New York, New New Jersey, New Jersey, okay, (laughs) Ohio, basically many states that had dominant political machines
2: oh so illinois chicago okay yeah, yeah there you go
1: okay okay
2: and then well the- there is some evidence that there is corruption in that
1: oh sure oh yeah in- massive amounts of corruption right so it's okay. not
2: i mean it's not the people that are just making that up okay yeah.
1: and then the third type is the trad- traditionalistic in the tra- oh. Okay. That's
2: got to be the South.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, the purpose of government is to maintain existing, if you will, social, economic, and political relationships.
2: That's okay? us. That's how, yep
1: um uh, i'm not
2: saying i agree but that is how uh, most people in the south are
1: oh hey historically
2: that's my great grandma's biscuit recipe are you saying there's something wrong with it
1: (laughs) yes right Right?
2: which is an underlying threat of there's about to be a fight
1: yes And, and by the way the people by and large are not expected to participate in government in a traditionalistic subculture
2: oh no government is slightly dirty
1: Yo, hey, no! It, it, government is controlled by elites who know better. <laughs> they will rule on their on your behalf. It's extremely paternalistic, right?
2: Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it, um, royalistic, hierarchical sort oh, of. yeah, yeah.
1: It's what V.O. Key, uh, uh, Jr., a well-known political scientist, uh, discussed uh, in his book Southern Politics and State and Nation, um, and in his chapter about Virginia. He went ahead and said that Virginia was a political museum piece, okay? <laughs> okay. That, that, that much of its political, if you will, culture was established during the colonial era and hardly changed well into the 1950s and 60s, right? So if you think about it, Nia, okay, it's only in those states that have elements of a moralistic political subculture that you see direct democracy tools like referendums, initiatives, and recalls.
2: And um, not to get all, because yeah. I'm not a historian and I don't, yeah. but, but I think of those as sort of the Wild West. You have to be independent, you have to be sort of mavericky. Back in the day, in order to go there, in order to make it across the country and make it in California, you had to be this sort of person who you wouldn't naturally think that your vote would be important. Well, well, I should have a say in this because I walked all the way across this country to get here. Like there's something, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me that, that, that that would be a carry on effect of the settling of the West would be that people would want to have a say in how their town is run, in how their their oh, democracy happens in a different way than maybe some of the other states.
1: And as you, me, our uh, colleague in the history department, Carolyn Eastman, you know, as we discussed in um, in a, in a re- recent series of lectures for uh, Constitution Day, some of the innovations in regards to. Um, getting the right to suffrage for previously discriminated groups actually happened in those states, right? Right. I mean, if you think about the first state that actually granted women the right to vote, it was Wyoming, right? It wasn't an East Coast state, right? It right. certainly wasn't a deep South state. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. It was you a know?
2: frontier state.
1: It was a frontier state, right? Of course okay? I mean, hey, you know, you're out there, okay? Um, you're, you know, y- you are living by your skill, your wiles, etc. Of course, I'm going to participate, okay? Because back East, okay? Um, you know, I was told, okay, that unless you're part of this political party, okay, you're never going to have a role in government, i.e. the Northeast and political machines, okay? And in the South, Okay. Men
2: take care of voting.
1: That's right. Okay. White, wealthy men take care of voting in government. Women? No. People of color? No. Okay. Poor people? No. Okay. You know, you guys have enough on your plates. Why don't we go ahead and take care of the running of government? Well, and we we definitely know better than y'all. Yeah. Yeah. We know better than y'all, right? We're elites for a reason. Right. Okay. And you're poor. Okay. For a reason. Right. Yeah.
2: Blaming, blaming people for their class and race and gender. gender. Yes. Right. A a long held tradition in the South.
1: That's right. Not
2: a good one, but a long held tradition. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, so so what's, what's wrong with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because right now all this sounds great. Right.
2: Well, it sounds great that the people can stand yeah. up and say, government sucks, and I don't like it, and I want you to fix this thing, and I don't like your stupid initiative, and I want you to go away. Um, oh, you haven't done recall. Sorry, I, yeah. I jumped to recall. I mean, okay. I jumped past recall. So, Okay.
1: In, uh, in the states that allow for recall elections, basically, uh, again, with all three of these, referendums, initiatives, and recall elections, okay? the voters have to get a certain percentage of signatures saying we want to do x okay right. so enough we-
2: people have to care
1: yes it can't so, just
2: be 5 people very grumpy no. <laughs> yeah 5 very grumpy loud people will not make an initiative
1: yeah and In each state that have these direct democracy tools Okay, there's usually like a percentage requirement of registered voters.
2: Which makes right? sense, you want yeah. a threshold. You, want, you don't yeah. just want five angry, 12 angry men um, <laughs> yeah. to quote yeah. to a film title. You don't, want, you don't want that small of a group being able to upset the apple cart. You want yeah. it to be a, a substantial number of people.
1: Yeah, so you get enough signatures saying, let's just say for instance, I want to recall the governor. I think the governor has been doing a terrible job, is uh, pushing the envelope on uh, the state constitution, okay, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you get enough signatures, and in the next election, okay, the voters get to decide whether or not they want to recall. And basically what recall means is force the current occupant to step down.
2: (laughs) Is that between elections?
1: Yes, yes. Okay, so you're
2: governor for four years. That's true of everybody, right? All all governor terms are four gubernatorial terms are four years. So So, you're a year in, and people say, "We're done with Augie. We can't, we can't do this anymore. He's, he's turning. If you were in Virginia, he's turning us into California. We can't have that. No. So we're going to recall him.
1: Yes. So
2: enough people, whatever that threshold is, X percentage of the population or 2 million or whatever, let's just pick a number, sign and the signatures are found to be valid. It's not Mickey Mouse signing. It's actually a person. Yes. (laughs) And then what?
1: Then they actually have an election. Okay.
2: So the recall is to have a re-election. It's not to immediately make you go away.
1: Okay, the recall, okay, is basically a diselection. It's a vote on whether or not you're out of office. <laughs> okay, so
2: it's a vote of confidence.
1: Yes. Oh, that's a really that that's a really good comparison uh, for our listeners uh, who are aware of what goes on in parliamentary forms of democracies. Okay, um, in, in in parliamentary forms of democracy, um, if the members of parliament all of a sudden lose confidence in the prime minister, they will actually take a, re, uh, a, a, a vote of confidence. You know, it's it's a confidence vote, right?
2: right. Like We think we,
1: that you're poopy and we think you're not doing a good job. Good job. So, okay, you're no longer our prime minister. But you can,
2: but the people who call that can lose, can lose that. Yes. Yes. And the the general populace can say, or in this case, that would be Parliament. But in in our case with recall, the general populace can say, "No, I like Augie. Yes. I think he's doing an upstanding fine job."
1: Yes, and okay. if enough
2: of them do that, then you're
1: not recalled, right? You're not recalled, and moreover, okay, you might actually feel stronger, more emboldened, okay, because
2: which is what happens in parliament when you have a vote of confidence and the person passes, Yes. then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, Brexit.
0: And you're like, wait,
2: what? (laughs) Like, I mean, it all goes south after that. Like they, they say something completely out of the pocket because now they think, oh, I've got, I've got support I didn't even know I had.
1: Think about, for instance, the- So it's
2: a dangerous thing to recall somebody then. Yeah.
1: I mean, and and think about the uh, confidence vote of Boris Johnson, Uh, in the British Parliament um, uh, when he became Prime Minister, right? Okay, Parliament took a no confidence vote in regards to Boris Johnson um, and uh, he passed it. And at that point, okay, Boris Johnson was just like, ha ha, now I get to dictate how we do Brexit. Not only is Brexit going forward, okay, But for all of of you who thought I was a madman, well, the madman now gets to go ahead and negotiate Brexit. How do you like me now? Okay? Yeah. And that's the danger of going forward with a recall. Well, Scott Walker. Yes, in the state of Wisconsin, okay, this millennium, folks, this millennium, okay, Scott Walker takes office. He was a Republican uh, uh, governor uh, of Wisconsin. He takes office. The state legislature was also narrowly controlled by Republicans in some pretty well-gerrymandered I <laughs> was going to say,
2: right? shenanigan <laughs> if that's a word. Okay. Shenanigans were had,
1: but yes, okay. Right? Uh, he comes into office and immediately he wants to go ahead and cut uh, the state of Wisconsin's budget, right? Um, but the legislature couldn't take votes because Democratic members of the legislature actually left the state.
2: <laughs> yes, that's right. I forgot. They all went to like Illinois or something and hung out in the casinos. They, they, yeah.
1: Yes, right. Or
2: Indiana. Well, I can't remember where they went, but they yeah. went someplace else. And he was like, uh, and the legislature said, yeah, we can't do anything because there are no Democrats to be had.
1: Yeah, so and they, they couldn't
2: come back, like they couldn't even come back for clothes or toothbrushes or anything, because if they had come back, they would have been compelled yeah, to take they, their seats. They
1: would have actually been arrested by the state police and drugged back to the state legislature, right?
2: Yeah, when I say compelled, I mean they actually would have been compelled. Yes, right? So they so did, they course. got a mission, they all went to the Bahamas or whatever. <laughs> right. So,
1: naturally, a whole bunch of Wisconsinites were like, hey, this is not how state government's supposed to operate, right? Okay? We can't be having the governor and the state legislature, you know, at odds with one another, right? So, they get enough signatures, they attempt to recall election, and guess what? Okay?
2: He totally wins it.
1: He totally wins it. So, and, and not
2: by a small margin. No, like he, he won it rather handily.
1: Yeah, he, very comfortable margin. So, guess what? Okay, after he wins the recall election, he basically comes in and says, Okay, uh, I think the voters have spoken and we're gonna cut the budget, right? We're gonna do a whole bunch of things that you guys don't like. Okay. On the other hand, there actually was, okay, a successful recall election in another state this millennium. And uh, uh, Nia, you actually uh, briefly uh, mentioned this a few moments ago. This was in 2003 in the fine state of California. The then governor Democratic governor Gray Davis, okay.
2: I was gonna say Blue Davis, isn't that terrible? <laughs>
1: Well, he felt blue after the recall <laughs> well
2: and, uh, and talk about civil war, blue and gray, anyway, yeah
1: um but yeah, okay, so Gray Davis comes into office, okay, democratic governor um and uh, uh as usual, and this is pretty frequent, California was uh, had um, some uh, um, budgetary issues, okay. Uh, California uh, kind of sort of is like uh, an oscillating pendulum as it relates to its budget. Either it's doing really, really well or it's doing really, really bad. Right? You know what
2: it, it's, it's interesting to me? They, they say that it's like, what, the seventh largest economy in the world if it was its own nation? Fifth? Yes. Yes. Fifth largest. In all, but it's an economy that's sort of like Greece. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, hey, we're in the money. We're doing really well. Oh, we don't have any money at all. Oh, my yeah. goodness. What are we doing? We, let's quick, let's sell avocados and pay yeah. off our debts. Like,
1: so he comes into office and not only did the state have a huge budget crisis, right? But the state legislature years earlier had passed uh, a law that would phase in deregulation of electricity. Okay.
2: Because what you want is PG to be even more unregulated than it's already been. Okay. And she what, said she, sarcastically. Sarcastically,
1: right? So in his first year of office, okay, the uh, state legislature was easily a month and a half to two months late in passing the state budget. Okay. And when deregulation of, the, uh, of electricity actually began, um, they were having brownouts on a pretty regular basis, right? Okay, um, it was just a fiasco. So, a bunch of citizens got enough signatures that forced a recall election in 2003 and Gray Davis lost. So they had to hold a new election, okay, for the governor of California. And this is where, okay, uh, an actor-
2: is. Oh my gosh, was that his election?
1: Yes. <gasps> Arnold wow. Schwarzenegger won, okay, the election to fill Gray Davis's unfilled term as governor, and then he won re-election.
2: The governor. Who-
1: Yes, that's how we got the governor. Okay. Um, oh
2: my it, goodness! I didn't realize that that was that those two things
1: were. They were connected. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah.
2: Although, okay. in fairness to Gray Davis, the brownouts were not his fault.
1: No, I mean it, the problem was Gray Gray Davis. By almost all accounts, had been a long-serving uh, state government official in California he was a good bureaucrat a good manager but in terms of inspiring comforting okay trust us okay we you know yes this really is terrible but hold on the, the you know the 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 state's going to get better gray davis was not inspiring okay And we're going to have a future podcast episode where we look at presidential personality and leadership types, okay? So for listeners, if you want us to delve more deeply into, if you will, chief executive officers of government, okay, Um, and, and of the skills that they need to lead, Gray Davis probably lacked one of the most important ones, and that was he was not inspiring. He was a good bureaucrat. Okay, you know, you would want him to be in charge of the budget office. Right. You would want him to be uh, in charge of the Department of Transportation for a state.
2: You would want him to be your personal accountant.
1: Yes. Right. And for, you know, our listeners, you know, look him up on the Google machine. And if you see a photo (laughs) of him, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I can see what what Augie and Mia were talking about. Right. But in terms of being an inspiring governor, no. And he certainly wasn't the, the 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 fault, okay, of what went on in regards to um, uh, the uh, electric industry in California. I mean, the, that was
2: it, years in the making. making. I mean,
1: the, yeah, the, the, that the, failure
2: the, was a series of failures yeah, yeah, yeah. that
1: started way back. Like, way back, right? Okay. And by the way, what California was attempting okay, is what a number of states have flirted with, which is, okay, getting rid of the government monopoly that is energy within a state. I mean, we're, we're in the Commonwealth, Virginia, by all accounts, okay, there is basically one company that provides most of the energy for the state.
2: Dominion Power.
1: Dominion Power. Okay, Dominion Power right? Now, there are good reasons to have, if you will, a monopoly in regards to energy, and there are bad reasons, okay? We could hold a separate podcast episode that look, looks at that.
2: We may actually do one on monopolies because that's on our list.
1: Yeah, that is on our list, okay? But government op- monopolies exist for essential industries like energy, okay? Um, Throughout our country's history, there were uh, monopolies in regards to transportation. When the main form of transportation was waterways, then it was railroads, right? Then it was power slash, if you will, you know, electricity or gas, okay? Do you want the government to provide the service, okay? Which would require a significantly larger government, if you will, apparatus? probably greater taxes, or do you want the government to pick a service provider and regulate the heck out of it? If on the other hand, you love capitalism and you like, if you will, competition and choice, well, you deregulate it. Ooh, but this is energy, right? You know, hospitals rely on, okay, a secure, reliable source of energy, right? Schools do, okay? businesses do the street lights homes do i right? mean yeah right,
2: imagine a city like los angeles where the streetlights just go off they right. brown out in some area yeah like right. um who okay. has the right-of-way here like that would be terrible
1: so you know gray davis gets blamed for this okay um and according, according to many commentators probably was unfair On the other hand, the way he reacted to it wasn't (laughs) all that inspiring or comforting, right? Okay, and California's state budget problems, okay, are well known historically, okay?
2: As are their energy problems.
1: Yes, right?
2: California, I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly about California because I've been there and it's lovely, but it's also just a great big mess in some ways. Mm mm-hmm. it, It's it seems like it's you know how toddlers run leaning forward because if they don't do that, they fall over. Yes, that, that's how it seems when you're in California. It feels like you're running forward so that you don't just fall flat on your face.
1: I mean, it, it's a state in many ways um, that in terms of natural resources is ill equipped to support all the people that live there.
2: Yeah. It's got okay. a great big desert on one half of it that people don't seem to mention. Whenever they talk about California, they show you the beach and the palm trees and the. And I was like, you know, the hottest place on earth is in California,
1: California right? in Death
2: Valley, like it's, no, it's not all sunshine and roses. I mean,
1: even its role as uh, a state that produces so much of our food it doesn't have, if you will, terrain, okay, um, that has easy access to water, okay?
2: Right. Water so rights they, are a huge problem in California.
1: Yes, okay. And, because, well, and now fire and flood and okay hail and, you know, like... And it's located on the San Andreas Fault.
2: Right, it's going to okay. eventually crack off and fall into the ocean. Like it's got. There's a lot going on in California.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And and again, you know, listeners, me and I are not, you know, you know, uh, being. Uh, I, I think we're not, you know, trying to be overly critical of California, but it's a really large state. Okay, um, in in fact. Um, as scholars who updated Daniel Elazar's work pointed out, California in many ways has multiple subcultures within a state. It's in many ways surprising that it actually gets any government work done, because if you look at the subcultures in California, okay, you know, the far northern part of California, okay, those folks have wanted to secede from California and create the 51st state of Jefferson, right? Then you have the politics of San Francisco. Then you have the politics as I'm moving downwards, you know, southwards, okay? Then you have Sacramento, which is the state capital, which, you know, for many Californians, other than the fact that it is the state capital, there ain't much going on in Sacramento, right? Right. Okay. If you go east, Okay, as Neo pointed out, you have desert, you have mountains, okay? You go further south, you got L.A. I mean, and heck, you know, the political culture in L.A. frequently depends on, you know, what neighborhood you're in. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, And then far south, you have San Diego. And then further south, you have the border to Mexico. Okay? Right. (laughs)
2: basically the border town of tijuana right like a whole different
1: yes right so in some ways it's rather remarkable that you can get a majority of californians to agree to anything
2: yeah it it really is i mean because california that's i can't remember somebody was telling me that the size of it is something like most of europe would most of western europe would fit in it Yeah. uh, So imagine trying to get Spain, Portugal, France, Germany, all of those to agree to do something because that's.
1: Yeah, it's that large of a state.
2: And that diverse, it's got huge, diverse.
1: Yes, right? um,
2: Population. So there's lots to recommend it, but it is a complicated place. And it's not surprising to me that they would come up with things like referendums and initiatives and recalls. And so, but okay, so a good thing, direct democracy. I'm going to vote that that's a good thing.
1: But there are criticisms.
2: But I can also see where that could be tyranny.
1: Sure. I right. Mean, if,
2: if, it, if you liked, if you, let's, ins- for instance, use Governor Gray. If you liked Governor Gray and you thought he was doing fine and you voted for him and you thought the election was done because he won the election and then suddenly he's not the governor anymore, that's kind of, I mean, like, that's like saying, oh, well, so my vote didn't count.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, well, it, so one of the criticisms is, it really undercuts representative democracy. If one of the purposes of elections is to give legitimacy to whichever candidate won an election, direct democracy can undercut that, right? I mean, think about all the voters who voted for Gray Davis okay, and then all of a sudden within a couple years, okay, the state's like, okay, sorry, dude, you know, you're not doing a good job. Well, you might be thinking, and you and I've talked about this, um, judging an elected official on six six months of activity or a year or two is probably not the best way to evaluate elected officials. I mean, and, and think about this, listeners, how many of us would actually like to have our lives judged by our worst 6 9 12 15 months <laughs> okay right okay i mean there's a reason why we generally give okay terms in office okay so that you have time to actually go ahead and figure out how best to do the job how to deal with crises how to go ahead and have a you know a vision and implement that vision Okay.
2: Well, do you judge Lincoln by the Civil War or by or by the Emancipation Proclamation?
1: Sure, right? Right? Like, I mean, you know, I mean,
2: you know, could come up with two very different verdicts.
1: If I you, mean, particularly the first two two and a half years of the Civil War. Okay, many of those who voted for Lincoln were beginning to wonder if the little-known politician from Illinois actually had, you know, the skill to lead the country through the Civil War. Right. Okay. Um, So that's one criticism. Another is, I mean, think about it. Um, It has the potential um, to uh, uh, produce excessive majoritarianism, tyranny of the majority. Right. Because if you get get something on the ballot, a majority of the citizens of the state can basically, um, you know, harm minority groups. To give you an example, and again, I apologize if it if it think if it it appears as though we're beating up on California, but California pro- passed Proposition Eight, and it was a referendum that would have changed California's constitution to define marriage as between a man and a woman. Okay, a majority of Californians voted in favor of that. Now. I understand what many of us on the East Coast frequently think of California. Okay, as how did you refer, refer to it as a hippie? Hippie, uh, hippie.
2: hippie dippy tree hugging. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. can't remember what I said, okay. but yeah, yeah, it's
1: right. Okay, you know. But as I remind my students, for most of California's history. It was known as a pretty conservative state.
2: It was Republican, wasn't it? For oh,
1: for a good big chunks of it. of it.
2: Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, which I think people now are like, no. I'm like, yeah, yes. no, really. Yes,
1: right. <laughs> I mean, it, Ronald
2: Reagan was governor there.
1: Ronald Reagan was governor. I mean, they, you know, Schwarzenegger was a Republican governor, a moderate Republican. Okay, uh, they've elected Republican governors as recently as the late 1980s, early 1990s. Well, and for a
2: long time, their legislature was Republican, Mm -hmm. wasn't it? It
1: Was Republican, okay. I mean, this is the state that passed probably the most draconian three strikes law in the country, okay, where you commit three crimes and then you you basically spend the rest of your life, okay, in jail, that's California.
2: Well, and California had, um, didn't they have laws about, Employing Chinese? Yes,
1: excluding like, Chinese, right?
2: And the camps, um, the Japanese internment camps happened on the on the West Coast.
1: Yes, okay, at the request of a Republican governor by the name of Earl Warren, who then becomes Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, okay, and kind of sort of has a, a, a metaphorical you know, uh, uh, religious experience and all of a sudden is all in favor of civil rights and civil liberties, but that wasn't him when he was governor. Right. Okay. So we have to
2: remember that in its recent, relatively recent past, California was not hippy-dippy tree-hugging. It was... Yes,
1: right? And by the way, Proposition 8 to define marriages between a man and a woman was actually passed this millennium.
2: I, I have to tell you, I'm glad you brought that up and I struggle with that particular example because there was a lot of outside from California, um, uh, I, meddling is not the right word, but opinion um, casting. Oh, interest groups. No, like, I mean,
1: that, that's, what, that's another one of the criticisms, uh, Nia, of the initiative and referendum process.
2: It, is it, that it, it's vulnerable to that.
1: Yeah, to get the signatures requires increasingly a significant amount of money and, uh, and it, it requires uh, you know uh, very uh, well-developed organizational skills.
2: Yeah, right? a political machine.
1: Yes, and so what you are seeing with some of these initiatives, initiatives and referendums is that outside groups, groups outside the state are using the ballot and, or the referendum and initiative process to further their political, if you will, interests, okay? Right,
2: that particular proposition, several churches yes. did a lot of, of signature gathering and spent a lot of money and made a lot of signs and did a lot of stuff yes. to try to put the thumb on that particular um, judicial, I mean, uh, excuse me, electoral balance and, yeah. and it worked.
1: Sure. Okay. It
2: worked. Uh, of course, it didn't eventually when it got to the Supremes, but but well, I mean, and, then, and, and that's that, a whole
1: separate issue That well, well, but that what's interesting about that particular case, okay, um, and I believe it's the Hollingsworth versus Berry case, what is interesting is that elected officials refuse to implement Proposition 8. So for those who think that direct democracy is the better route to go, Think about how Proposition 8, which is an example of direct democracy, okay, was thwarted by people's elected representatives. Representative democracy actually protected minority rights.
2: That, one, that's cool, and two, that brings up the other criticism that, um, that you mentioned to me before we started recording and that um, someone else that I mentioned that we were going to be talking about this too, which is the, the competing. Oh, they can, they can conflict. The, right? right. Sorry. The conflicting, conflicting things where if, if you get a referendum that says we are not going to spend any money building schools in the next six months, and then you get a referendum that says we give the school board the authority to build a school right like we give you the authority but we don't give you any money
1: yes and those two
2: things can happen on the same ballot
1: it, it can happen on the same ballot okay and again it reflects if you will one of the downsides to direct democracy because you know you can see this right americans at times will want the government to do certain things that will benefit them, but then they don't wanna pay for them. So you can have initiatives that actually conflict in regards to the government having the authority to do something, but then the voter saying, but we're not gonna give you the money to do it. We don't want you to tax us more, okay? So there are any number of criticisms of these direct democracy tools, okay?
2: Yeah, or we want you to open a toll road, but we don't want you, we, want, we don't want to pay to build it. Yeah. Well, how am I supposed to get a toll road if you don't pay to build it? Yeah, great, okay. Well, you need to figure that out. No, I don't. I'm just going to ignore all of y'all and do what I was going to do anyway.
1: Well, and then you point out this. The language of these referendums, okay, that you referenced at the start of the podcast episode, right? They are so detailed. Okay, and they're detailed because over time, what those who want the initiative or referendum is figured out is, if they were worded vaguely or ambiguously, (laughs) those then who are tasked with actually implementing them, i.e. elected officials, will go ahead and find loopholes. So one of the reasons why they're so specific is to tie the hands... Okay, of elected officials who would be tasked with implementing them.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. Yes, I'm not giving you a chance to not do this thing that I am trying to make you do. That's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better to read them, but oh, it terrible. makes me it makes me understand why. Oh, reading them occasionally makes me weep. Like I, I think to myself. I have two degrees and I don't think I understand what I'm being asked to do. Like, I don't, how how am I left feeling this dumb with my ballot?
1: Okay, to give you an example of what uh, uh, is referencing, on the current ballot for voters in the Commonwealth of Virginia, there is language in regards to a proposed amendment to the Virginia constitution in regards to how redistricting should be done, okay? So, in Virginia, if we want to amend the state constitution, okay, um, it's a really protracted process, right? The state legislature, in two consecutive legislative sessions, has to approve a proposed amendment to the constitution, and only then does it go to the voters, right? So, it's not an easy process to amend the Virginia constitution.
2: It probably so, shouldn't be. In fairness,
1: well, okay, because then I'm,
2: then it would be it would just be amended all the time, all over the
1: place. Okay, so but again, proponents of dir- direct democracy are like, well, then Nia, you're not a supporter of direct democracy now, are you?
2: Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> I'm full of contradictions because I am sort of, but there, but I do take the point that that is a criticism, okay. a legitimate criticism.
1: But. For our listeners who are voters in Virginia, when you get your ballot and you read the language <laughs> in regards to creating a redistricting commission, you might get to the end, okay, and I don't know about your ballot that you will see when you go to vote, Nia, but on the ballot that I got at, and, and, and that I mailed back this week, it was easily five or six lines long And I think it was only two sentences, right?
2: Yeah, the supporting clauses, I mean, it's like reading an opinion out of the Supreme Court. You have to slow down, you have to think about each clause.
1: I joked with my students in class that if any of them submitted a paper with that (laughs) kind of writing, okay, I would highlight it, circle it and say, please use short, compact sentences. But again, it's written in such a way to make sure that if it does get passed, that government officials who would be implementing it, okay, would have no flexibility, no discretion in implementing it.
2: Okay. That makes me feel better about about why they're written that way.
1: Okay. I still
2: think that people should read them ahead. Oh, sure. I still think that it, it's not a thing you wanna to try to parse while you're standing there at the voting booth just trying to get your business done. I think if you go and you read it and you have an opinion, um, you know, then it, I don't know. I just, I think it serves you to read them ahead of time.
1: I just think in general, if you have the opportunity, you should take a look at the ballot, okay? Uh, ahead of time. Okay. Which you
2: can do usually in most states. I mean, I know we're talking a lot about Virginia. You can definitely do it in Virginia. You can see your ballot ahead of time by going to the um, Virginia Board of Elections and then see my ba- I think it's even called see my ballot or something like that. You put in your address and it will show you all the people who are on your ballot so you can you can research them at will, and then it'll show you any initiatives or referendums or anything or bonds, anything that are on your, that are on your ballot. Um, and I suspect that most states do that because they would rather you be an informed voter than a non-informed voter. Despite what people seem to think, the actual voting um, folks, the, the boards of election, want you to vote and they want you to vote well, like they want you to understand what you're voting for.
1: Yeah, I mean these are generally people, whether they are in paid positions or volunteer positions. These are generally people who think the vote is important. Right. Okay. You know, we've we have moved, okay, in decades, okay, uh, substantially away from states who would employ people in. Uh, election boards or voting registr- uh, registrars' office, um, whose goal in life was to suppress or or to see declining voter turnout. Okay, right. we've moved a long way from there. Okay, and you know, and, and again, it's kind of sort of like you know, people who go to work for an environmental protection agency. These are generally people who care about the environment, right? People who work in state boards of elections or voting registrar's office, okay, they generally want people to vote and do it well, right? You know, they want you to register and they want you to do it so that there aren't any problems with your registration, right? right? Okay, So if your state allows you to do this, utilize that opportunity, okay? because in some democracies, even today, you don't find out who or what you're (laughs) voting on until you show up to vote. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Now, you know, for for some of our listeners, you might prefer that. Oh, hey, okay. (laughs) Hey, I didn't know Mickey Mouse was on the ballot. This is awesome. (laughs) Okay. On the other hand, if you actually wanna go ahead and do a good job, okay, and not have that awkward moment where you're thinking, man, there's people waiting to go ahead and vote and I'm struggling to read this. Okay. Or I didn't know that I got to vote on dog catcher. Okay. You know I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, animal, I, I don't know which one to pick. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Um, you know, it was like the first time I moved down to Virginia and I was voting for, uh, a commissioner of revenue. Okay. Well, they don't have commissioner of revenue <laughs> as an elected position in the in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, so I was just like,
2: who "What the is, heck is that?"
1: <laughs> what, yeah, right. And I was just like, and I don't know either of these people, right? Never heard yes. of them. And I was just like, "Okay, never again, Augie. Are you going to show up to vote, and at least not know what the position is, or you know what the 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 the, the ballot question actually is? Do a little bit of research, okay? Do a little bit of research."
2: And that's a poli-sci professor saying that.
1: Oh, sure, right? I'm yeah. just
2: saying, if, if, if he didn't recognize immediately what that person's job is, I have no hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is why I researched my ballot ahead of time. Yep. Thanks so much for talking to me.
1: Yeah, hey, uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm glad we talked about this because I get asked a lot. I know you sometimes do, you know, uh, friends of ours, uh, people who we work with. You know, they'll go ahead and say, hey, what was that question about on the (laughs) ballot?
2: Oh, you know what? It's like after you take a test. That's when your friends all say, what the heck was? And then you talk about the answer to number four that nobody got because nobody understood the question. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's like I'm back in high school.
1: (laughs) So I'm glad you went ahead uh, and asked me about that today, Neil.
2: Thanks, Augie. See ya. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.